You know what's such a bummer? What's a bummer? When you've been consuming something from a brand and then you find out that you don't align with that brand. Mm. Literally two hours ago. I know where this is going. This happened to us. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to name names. But it's just like today's consumer culture is so tricky because consumer brands are inserting their values or lack thereof. And it's just like, it's Mm. wild. Mm -hmm. And you really have to know who you're buying from. Which is the entire reason why we started Hazelmeyer Goods. Shoptheedge.com. We wanted to weed through and go, one, source directly from producers. Like, yes, we are the middleman because we are curating this shop. But like the other people on the other side of this website are literally the folks making the soap, roasting the coffee, making hand weaving these bannetons. Like this stuff is mostly U.S. made and all ethically sourced. And we've got people that are asking for like evidence of these people's existence. And just so everybody knows we're working on it and we're going to put out some like video oh, I can't wait. content of people getting things done in like workshops mm-hmm. and it's it's just a work in progress. Not all these people live in Cincinnati with us. Or like want to be filmed and have their faces on the internet. Anyways, you there's know. a lot of things, hurdles to overcome <laughs> as we... <laughs> get uh, video evidence of the people that are making the products that we're selling. Uh, but but, uh, but but as soon become. Speaking of those products, what mm-hmm. are some of the things that you are most excited about these days? Well, we just launched this wooden kitchen whisk, mm. which I love because it's like the perfect utensil to tools to, to stir sourdough, but also works in your kitchen mm-hmm. for scrambling eggs, whisking dressings, um, mixing batters. Like it's truly a multi-tool. I, everyone knows if you listen to the podcast that you don't like unitaskers. Mm-hmm. This is not a unitasker. And we had like a traditional dough whisk. It is a bit of a unitasker. Mm-hmm. And honestly, ours kept falling apart. So we fashioned one with our <laughs> wood maker, Dan. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Dan. Um, and it's just all one solid wooden piece. It's beautiful. Wood whisk, the uh, dough whisk. What are we calling it? A wooden kitchen whisk. On shoptheh.com right now. Go get some. We we have proofing baskets. That these are these are these are like kind of like old news because but but if if you didn't know already, they're the best proofing baskets for your sourdough you can possibly find. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to be true, right? Yeah. And the typical standard banneton or proofing basket is this i hate the words like rattan or what do they call it rattan this? rattan it's like it's wood it's just wood it's wood it's but it's like cheap it's light flimsy like what do you i mean almost like uh like those chairs out in your yard wicker wicker kind of <laughs> material that's splintered don't don't do that okay get these proofing baskets that are made what's her name again May. 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 Megan, but she goes by May affectionately. Outstanding so. stuff. And, um, oh my gosh, way more functional too. So not even are they more pretty and made by people that we know. Mm, I love that you said more pretty. Prettier. Anyway, shoptheh.com. Check it out. We've got a whole host. We don't have time right now to, we got to get into this episode, but we have so many products on there that if you were unaware that Liz and Joey curated a product line, and actually our entire family, then you need to go to shoptheh.com. This was four minutes of 
Go to shopth.com, get your coffee, get your tea, get your proofing baskets, sourdough stuff. Because we love you guys and we want you guys to be excited about where you're spending your dollar. And I'm speaking from someone who was just very, very frustrated by finding out that my dollar was going to someone I didn't want it to. This is literally like just now. So. Literally. Breaking news. Liz got... <laughs> p- Bamboozled. What's the... Punked. Punk, uh, Ashton Kutcher, where are you? Anyways. Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, a place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good afternoon. And together we hope to educate, inspire, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. Today, we have Caitlin Fusco on the show. Caitlin is a home birth mother, a childbirth educator, and an experienced home birth attendant. This knowledge has spurred Caitlin to create the Happy Home Birth, a brand dedicated to supporting, educating, and encouraging home birth mothers. And as I said before we hit the recording, I actually had the privilege to see like pre-course content from Caitlin years and years ago when we had to switch very last minute at 37 weeks to a home birth. And I am telling you, I am a person who needs all the information. I like details. I like getting all of this info so that I can wrap my head around things and I um, was just so grateful for you being so gracious with me. And I feel like I had a successful home birth because of that information, because I was given a framework and a context for that. So thank you so much for creating this stuff. I'm so excited to chat with you on the show. So welcome. Oh, Liz, Joey, thank you guys so much for having me. And that is such an honor to hear, Liz. It really means a lot. I can't tell you how crazy it is to me that I, someone who hates technology, was able to <laughs> take something that I did love, though, home birth and the experience of, oh gosh, sorry guys, my phone's turning off. No um, I love the fact that I was able to take something that I did love, home birth, and uh, provide access to other families uh, regarding that subject. So I'm so thrilled to be speaking to you guys and uh, to be able to talk to your listeners about what the heck this even is. Yes, what the heck this even is, mm-hmm. home birth. I mean, I, I would love to know just right off the bat, when I first was like, hey, we might do this, what were mm. you, was this like the raw dairy Joe where you were like, yeah, cool, sounds great, whatever. You know, the, the, the particular scenario that I was in was very, <laughs> this was like the middle of COVID. Um, yeah, May 2020. Where small business owners, I was going through so many things that, that, were it was my my mental capacity and emotional capacity to take on new like information was at an all time low. Zero. So here we are about to have this baby, and Elizabeth comes to me and says, "I'm thinking we should do a home birth," <laughs> and I remember I remember just being like, "Cool," and like walked off like whatever like yeah all right I'm down. Now in hindsight, because that was that was Joey that was like peak. Like there was no, there was nothing coming in or really going out at that point. It is, it can be very scary to think about. And I remember like the week of it kind of hit me and I thought, oh, wow, we're just, we're just going to have this baby like in our house. <laughs> we're just doing you know, it like, huh? in this, this like weird little like kiddie pool thing that we've got <laughs> going on. And like, you know, my job is to like fill the pool and like, don't make the water too hot. I'm thinking like, okay, like. All right, I can do that. Like, you know, like, I'm bringing like bowls of water. It's like, is this hot? Like, what, what do you think about this kind of water? Should I get a gauge here? You know, should I get a thermometer? You know, but the the experience itself, after I kind of went through it, 
you know, because there was no backing out. It was like we were a week out. It was just this is going to happen. And some of the things that calmed my you know nerves were how like how far from a hospital are we? Like let's say something went like disastrously long, like wrong. The thing is, is that it's a very natural pro like like the like birth like birth home like having a child is very natural. It's a very natural thing, and things can sometimes you know go sideways. And if that were to happen. I was comforted knowing that, I mean, it was like 10 or 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. 12 minutes mapped out to the closest hospital. And I was thinking 10 if we drove really fast. So I was oh, like, yeah. you know, I was like, okay, so 10 or 12 minutes getting to the hospital if things were in, in, I don't know, not going super well. And so th that, that gave me some comfort, mm -hmm. you know, to be honest. And then also knowing that our midwife that was going to be there helping us mm -hmm. did this like every day. Yep. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. this is not that crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah, I th I love hearing the male perspective, and I think a lot of guys, a lot of dudes will will yeah get there too. But I would love Caitlin for you to define, um, kind of like, well, first of all, tell us how in the world you got so into this and so incredibly like skilled in conveying the beauty of birth because I think you're an excellent communicator when it comes to this but talk to us about your passion behind it and then also talk to us about like what home birth is and I think there's a lot of confusion and is it like oh I accidentally birthed my <laughs> baby in a car and, and that count you know so just walk us through kind of all that all right I'm gonna try not to prattle on because I will talk forever <laughs> about this but Really what happened was I was exposed to the idea that someone could give birth outside of the hospital soon after I graduated from college. I did nothing with that information besides go on Google and see a few birth centers locally that were doing that and thought, huh, like, wow, people are doing this without pain medication, which honestly, at that time, that was 20. 13. I didn't know that that was really an option. Like, you know, I wasn't in that space anyway. I wasn't ready to have a child, but I didn't know that people were doing that. So that was very eye-opening to me. And I am a bit of a, um, you know, if I see that somebody can do something, I think, well, I can do that. So mm -hmm. when I realized people were giving birth unmedicated, there was that part of me that was like, hmm, well, this is a thing. <laughs> I think I want to do that. And that way it was kind of left at that for a while. Well, then I ended up through a series of events coming in contact with a home birth midwife and it blew my mind. I was on this career path and immediately was like, oh, no, this is what I want to do. And so after a good bit of begging, <laughs> pleading, perhaps a little, she allowed me to join her team as a student midwife, an apprentice. So I was on track to become a midwife. And so I started to actually get to go to these home births, see these mothers have these experiences that were just, I mean, they were life changing for the family, but also for me, just being a witness, it completely changed my perspective of what it means to give birth, really what it means to enter or re-enter motherhood. And it wasn't long after I started that apprenticeship that I became pregnant with my first. So I ended up being pregnant and apprenticing at the same time, kind of seeing both of these sides of midwifery care. And that was so fascinating to me. Um, I attended a birth like four days before I gave birth. And it was one where we had to sprint up the highest stairs ever because this mom was just like going real quick. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Um, but it really, it was so eye-opening to me. I had, like I said, I had my home birth and 
I remember after my baby was born, it was a very long labor, very intense. After she was born, I remember thinking, wow, there is a whole room in my heart that I never knew was there before this moment. And now this child is here and there's all this love that I just, I didn't even know that I had the capacity for that. And I do believe that my experience of labor, this physiological process allowed me to kind of absorb all of that in a really deep way. Um, And so it wasn't long after that birth that my midwife actually moved. And it was perfect timing because my daughter was hitting toddlerhood and she's the kind she was the kind of toddler that really needed me to have sleep <laughs> to be able to manage the day to day because she's, you know, she likes to climb on furniture. What what kid doesn't? Yeah. And so I thought this is perfect. I'm gonna just step away from midwifery for now, go home. And I I just focused on my daughter for a little bit, but then this this kind of nagging feeling of remembering what I was hearing from these clients. It was, they felt isolated a lot of the time. You choose home birth. You're in like a, what, one to 2% of of moms in the United States. You've got nil when it comes to people to talk to and relate to. And I thought, these moms don't have resources. You know, we need a community. We need something that can pull mothers together, that can educate, but also support and encourage. And that is when I started focusing on the Happy Home Birth podcast. I created that podcast right around the time that I became pregnant with my second. Started hearing all of these beautiful home birth stories. I mean, it's amazing to hear birth stories from across the world. You know, all of the differences, all of the nuances, and just individual mother to individual mother. What did she learn from this experience? What is her nugget of of gold? What did she glean? And to be able to broadcast that to everyone so that they can think about it and ponder it and and put that into uh, play, you know, as they prepare. It was it was just such a wonderful experience. And those interviews, actually, I really credit them for my second birth, which is it was around the time that I was I was entering those last few months, and I started thinking, what if this could be even more peaceful? You know, what's holding me back from really not only getting through it, but enjoying it? like savoring it. Mm -hmm. And I started practicing some of my own techniques, uh, creating some things that I thought from all of the stories that I had heard made sense. And then marrying that with my, um, with the knowledge that I'd gained as a a student midwife and, you know, all of the massive midwifery textbooks that I had gone through. And so then I had, I gave birth to Lillian my second and it was unbelievably peaceful. I was completely present it was just so it was just so deep and it was at that moment that i started thinking okay it's not enough to have the the podcast that's great this is such a great introductory place to start but these mothers need resources of how do i how can i do this and love my experience and that's that's what i focus on that that education mm-hmm. and support I love that. That's beautiful. And I I wish, so I had the unfortunate experience (laughs) of attending a hospital birthing class, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, let me tell you, basically what it looks like when you visit a hospital birthing class is they want to let you know all their procedures and protocols. If X happens, then we do Z or whatever. 
But then also it's like, we're going to show you the most horrific, gruesome expression of birth. And it's always super clinical. And it just, I was very young when I had my first daughter and, um, it it scared me. It was like I was dreading. I was just dreading the day I had to give birth. And I remember being very frightened. And then for uh, my second, we actually had a C-section. And so our birthing experience together was like Joey put on some scrubs and I laid there and I did. It was zero percent physiological. Right. And then to go from those two experiences to an unmedicated home birth, you're so right. It's like it's like the the amount of um, mental preparation and understanding of my own body. I had zero context for that mm-hmm. with my previous two, and it was interesting to me to even think like, "Wow, I have done this experience two times and literally knew nothing about it either before or after." Yeah. Like I didn't even learn anything after the fact. But then going through the third, I was like, "Oh, this is what's possible." Mm-hmm this is what we're made for. Like, this is how we're designed. So I think that that's so beautiful. And I think even people who are considering other avenues of birthing places, my encouragement to everyone all the time is like, just educate yourself about what your body's capable of. Yes, absolutely. It's hidden. It's almost hidden, right? It is. Isn't it so strange that something that is, I mean, the most natural thing that you can do like we were designed to reproduce to give birth successfully and mm-hmm. that that ability has just been kind of oh sh- don't no 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 let me let me do it for you i i'm mm-hmm. i'm an expert let me do it for you mm. i hate that so in and there was a podcast episode we did a long time ago i almost said years ago can i even say that at this point we've only been going for like a year it was with my friend, Dr. Courtney, and we mm-hmm. had just seen, or it was with Caitlin. I can't remember who it was with. We had just seen Top Gun. And this is the stupidest analogy, but this is my thought process watching that movie. I said, look at the human capacity to build and engineer machines that fly us in the air at lightning speed and flip around and land them safely and like the 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 capacity of our military men and women is so amazing and beautiful and should be respected by every single american but then when it comes to the capacity of women we're like oh you can't give birth mm-hmm. and i'm like how backwards is that mm-hmm. like how can we be like this is true here but then for you not the case mm-hmm. um Anyways, side tangent put aside, but I, that's one of the things I felt through your class and through your content was like, oh, this empowerment is real. So walk us through how you even start to open up the conversation about home birth and how you even begin to consider whether it's a possibility for you and your family. Mm, That's a great question. So the first thing that we we really need to do is understand that home birth is not some scary, dangerous avenue. You know, this isn't something where it's like, okay, you're going to give birth at home. And then if something goes wrong, too bad, like everything's horrible. Like that's not the way that this works. And uh, a few of the reasons that that's the case. Number one, when we see the maternal um, mortality rate, even in in the United States, it's pretty abysmal, right? It's, It's pretty horrific compared to really the rest of the world. And what I really think is important for us to understand is, first of all, to compare what's going on in the 
midwifery or home birth world versus what's going on in the mainstream, in the hospital. And when we compare the United States, our mortality rate, um, maternal mortality rate mm-hmm. to the rest of the developed world, it's not great, guys. Like, not looking good for how much we spend. Our results are, like, pretty rough. So all of those people that are that are having these really bad outcomes, I can tell you it's it's not like it's coming from giving birth at home. We're just 1%, 2%. So something in the mainstream system is very wrong. We need to understand that at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Not to say you can't have a wonderful birth in the hospital. That comes with preparation and education. But the system itself, not great. And when we compare the mainstream system to what's mm-hmm. happening when we're giving birth at home, uh, whether we're using the care of a midwife or if we're choosing to, to give birth unassisted, especially when we're using the care of a midwife and have somebody that we're, we're, we've got this rapport with, um, we are gaining education first and foremost. When you go into a hospital, and Liz, I'm sure you remember this, you, you go into your prenatal appointment and it's maybe 15 minutes, maybe. And most of your time before and after, you know, you're in the waiting room, there's minimal time to ask questions. We're rotating through doctors because these practices are so massive that we may not even know our doctor when we're giving birth. The person that walks in, we may have never met them. That's not really great continuity of care. It's really hard for them to view you as an individual yep. person when they they don't know your name. Whereas when we're in the home birth setting, if we're using a midwife, this person knows you. Mm-hmm. They have spent these nine months building rapport. They have spent hours with you because typically prenatal appointments last about an hour. And a lot of that time is relationship building. And the reason that that's important, once again, is because it is a relationship. This midwife cares for this mother. This mother cares for and trusts this midwife. That is what solid outcomes are built upon. Care, understanding, relationship. So that's happening. During that time, educational Mm -hmm. topics, of course, are coming up. We're talking about this. They're giving you recommendations. Things that are, you know, preventative care. Like, hey, this is the type of nutrition that we should really be considering. These are some stretches that you could be doing. Here's some exercises. Here's a really great um, childbirth education program. You know, this it's it's just holistic. Whereas at when we're working with an OB, usually it's not preventative care. It's, oh, now you've got preeclampsia. Okay, well, here's what we do for that. Now you've got coleostasis. Okay, well, here's what we do for that. So we've got this preventative care going on. Mm-hmm. So mothers are yeah. staying healthy, and that's going to produce great outcomes. We're low risk in the home birth category. That's going to produce great outcomes. And then the biggest thing beyond anything else for sure is just letting the physiological process be. Don't touch it. <laughs> Leave it alone. Let the system that has been designed by our creator Mm. be. Leave it. It will work almost Mm. always. When it's not touched, it works. And Mm. so it's it's kind of like a it's like the silliest secret. It's like, hey, don't Mm -hmm. just don't touch it. And that's what happens a lot of times in the home birth world. Now we can get into you know, a lot of times there is licensure at play, and so there are all of these requirements for midwives as well. But generally, it's so 
much more of a hands-off process and that's really all that mothers need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that was one of your biggest takeaways. You were like, so what's mm-hmm. what does Melanie do? Like, what's, what's she doing? Because she would just like let us be. And I think an example of when you say don't touch it, when I was in the hospital with my first, it's like, okay, we administered, um, <clears throat> first of all, it was an induction. It was supposed to be a two-part induction. First part was supposed to be Cervidil to like soften the <laughs> cervix and then if they needed Pitocin. But I didn't end up needing Pitocin. I was already a week <clears throat> overdue. <clears throat> excuse me, even that term is is ridiculous, right? So um, this was the system I was on. And then it was like, okay, well, now we ha- I had zero context for how to manage a contraction. I didn't know. So when I started mm-hmm. to feel about a seven, whatever I would have deemed at that point, which now I'd be like, I can handle way more than that. Um, I asked for an epidural. So then I got an epidural, but because I was now had an epidural I was already bed bound because I had IVs and a continuous monitor on my belly monitoring baby's heart rate heart rate and then it's like oh okay well heart rate drops because you're stagnant and because of all these other things going on so now we need to do something we need to turn you in this position and um, put oxygen on you and if this doesn't happen or if baby's heart rate continues to dip then you're going to need a C-section. And so it's easier for us to see that play out and be like, thank goodness I'm in a hospital because otherwise my baby would have died. When in reality, we don't understand that is the cascading effect of the very first intervention all the way down to intervention number 27, that my experience with my other births, that wasn't the same, right? So we did have things in our home birth where my midwife saw, hey, your contractions are really really short but they're um, closer together and they should be longer you should be progressing more I think you need to work on body positioning so she would have me enter into a mile circuit and then when that wasn't enough she called in um, Robbie a specific um, practitioner who helps pregnant women like readjust and realign and so we brought in people into our home and um, like they know the checklist of what to look for and how to encourage the physiological elements to unfold on their own without immediately going to we need to go to a pharmaceutical or surgical route right so um, really quickly Mm -hmm. though before we get any deeper I I know for me this was confusing because I was always seen by midwives in an OB's office, but a home birth midwife, especially in the state of Ohio, is different. So can you break down, because people will hear midwife and they're like, I see a midwife, mm. but I give birth in a hospital. What What's going on there? <laughs> That's a great question. And it really comes down to, once again, the system that they're tied into. So mm. if you're seeing a midwife in the hospital, well, they're under hospital po- policy. That's that's the thing. It's the hospital policy that's really driving everything. And so, you know, we had in in Greenville, I'm in Greenville, South Carolina, and for a little while we had a midwife run birth center attached to the hospital. And people were so excited about that. And and truly it was a very good in between for people who weren't necessarily ready for a home birth but wanted the, you know, non-hospitally feel. But with that came problems because those midwives had to follow these very strict hospital standards of, oh, if this happens, then you go to the hospital. If this happens, you go to the hospital. Pretty much everything led to the hospital. It was 
it was silly. I mean, it was to the point where it's just, it's ridiculous. And that's the problem that we run up against when we are in the hospital setting, even with the most wonderful, lovely midwife. Mm -hmm. She's still bound by the obstetrician above her who thinks that, you know, number one, probably midwifery is silly. Like, you know, there's this weird dynamic between OBs and midwives in a lot of places, probably doesn't respect the midwifery practices. And they just have these ridiculous policies that nobody is basically able to to meet up with that standard. Um, So that's, that's a big difference. And once again, a lot of times when we are in these uh, midwifery practices in the hospital, we still aren't going to get the same amount of time, connection, and care as we would with a home birth midwife. Now, one thing that's kind of interesting to note is, and this is so dependent state to state, um, but there are different types of midwives. So there are certified nurse midwives. That's who you're going to find, you know, in the hospital setting. Uh, They've been trained medically as a nurse, and then they've added this midwifery degree. In in the home birth realm, sometimes certified nurse midwives practice with home birth. In some states, they don't. Uh, But in the home birth realm, a lot of times you're going to get a certified professional midwife. And so this is someone who has become a midwife outside of the medical system. They have usually apprenticed with another midwife, taken schooling that is specific for home birth and birth center midwives. So that perspective is going to be far more understanding of physiology as opposed to this medical perspective. And I say that I give this huge caveat because my midwife, from my most recent pregnancy as a certified nurse midwife, and she's the grooviest person I know. You know, like, it's not across the board. But a lot of times, you know, we have this very medicalized, people even call them medwives, which, you know, it's just the perspective can be very, very different when we're coming at it from a medical perspective. And I did want to take a moment just to kind of touch on that a little bit deeper. You know, when we're in the hospital, you were talking about that cascade of interventions, When we're in the hospital, a lot of times the perspective really is something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go wrong. What's going to go wrong? Let's find out what's going to go wrong. Let's do all these things because something's going to go wrong. You know, it's just, Mm. it's pathology, pathology. Mm. I'm searching for the pathology because that's what I've been trained to do is find pathology, which you know what, being able to find a pathology, that's golden. It's good. It's important to be able to find things when they're going wrong. However, if that's what our focus is, then what do you think we're going to find? <laughs> like, you know, if I wake up in the morning and I say something's going to go wrong, it's going to be a bad day, everything's going to be bad. Like, am I going to have a good day? Probably not. Probably not. So in the other, on the other hand, with midwives, this is the understanding of, oh, this is birth. It's fine. It's the most normal thing. This is totally normal. You're doing great. Everything's wonderful. We're doing all of these things to prepare you're, it's wonderful. Something's going to go right. Something's going to go right. Everything's going to go right. And then because they know the massive variations of what normal even looks like, because, oh my gosh, birth is so varied, because they understand that, they then are able to spot any red flags should they arise. So then let's say something is going a little sideways, like, oh, you know, oh, these heart tones are aren't great. There's some D cells here that I'd, I'd prefer not to see. So let's try this. Kind of like you said, Liz, in, in your labor, they were like, oh, hey, let's, 
let's try the mile circuit. Let's bring this body worker in and have them manipulate some things. How amazing is that? That is saying, I trust you. I trust your body. This is going right. This little thing is off, so let's go ahead and fix this so that we can mitigate this. Now, if things continue to happen, if there were more red flags, that is when we say, okay, hey, I want to hear what you have to say, Liz, but we've got these things going on. And to me, it seems like maybe you could use some extra support. Maybe maybe the hospital is the right place for us to continue on with this birth. It's not like, okay, well, you chose a home birth, so you know whatever happens, sorry, mm-hmm. it, you just got to be at home. No, you can always go to the hospital. And thank goodness for the hospital. There are times when absolutely I would go. I would 100% go to the hospital and be happy about it and be grateful for the support that I can receive there. But for a regular physiological birth, it's not, that's not for me because I want a team around me that believes in me. We're talking about having fear going to the hospital, using that as sort of like a buffer zone, a way to mitigate that fear, right? Yes. And I think where and we kind of were touching on this, people make a mistake is in assuming that there is no intervention happening at home birth. It's there, there you've, like you were saying, even at the, at the beginning of the podcast, you're not alone. There are things, it's just how you would, you take on the challenges. I think I'd also say every birth is going to be different, at least in my experience that I've, people I've talked to and the, the, the home birth experience, I'm, I'm guessing that they're not like, a cookie cutter, everyone has the same home birth, it's all the same. It's you're gonna have different challenges than someone else. And you're gonna you're going to deal with those challenges in a less synthetic kind of pharmaceutical way. It's mm. kind of it's kind of the the difference. You're still getting help, you're still having people that are intervening, right? We had we had intervention, right? Right? Like intervention is not a negative. It's just that the intervention can be more of, hey, you know what? Maybe you need to walk around. Maybe you need to, you know, yeah. warm up. Maybe you need to, um, ha- like, massage out this muscle that's tightening up. Yeah. Um, I, it just and, and those are all in, in for us at least. Those were all efforts to make things easier on us. Right. Not, not to like save the day. Like it was. It was just to. It was just to make things easier on us. Those interventions, if you will. And so when you're having those kinds of complications, those kinds of complications, I say complications, that sounds like someone's at risk. And I'm saying different hurdles or challenges that come up because every home birth, every birth, every every child is different. You, If you're already in the hospital, well, the hospital has one kind of like protocol, one process, one way of, of helping. They're, they're, the way they are taught, they, they, the, the book that they crack open and they say, hmm, if X, Y, Z is happening, use this. And those things tend to be, like we were talking about earlier, like the synthetics, the epidural, the the Pitocin, the, the interventions that, do they do what they're supposed to do? Absolutely. But you're also talking about an, indus- an industrialized birthing process. Hmm. And so efficiency is a, is a major factor. Efficiency. The same doctor that's never met you has, has 16 other births they're about to go crank out before they go home. <laughs> And like, you know, get home for dinner. You know what I mean? Like, we're not talking about like pulling an all-nighter, you know, surgeon. We're talking about I rolled in, knocked out like 20 births, and then, you know, went home. That's a lot for a day. Um, Is it a lot for a doctor? Yeah. This is what I would say, too, just adding on to that, is that the the intervention 
in our home birth setting was to support, to continue to support the natural evolution of birth. The interventions I received in both of my hospital settings were to bypass the natural evolution. One, literally, we're going to cut this baby out of your stomach because she was breech and they didn't feel comfortable birthing a breech baby, even though birthing a breech baby is just, breech is just a variation of normal. Um, and then the the first one, it was like, well, you're about five days past your due date and you had a little bit of bleeding and I think we'll just go ahead and induce you. And then, you know, you're really young and obviously aren't supported by a partner and you have no skill set on your hands. So would you like an epidural? <laughs> Basically like, sure, you know, I would love that. So um, bypassing. By the way, when you have an epidural, sure, you can't feel the pain, but you have no idea when you're contracting. And there's so much work I was able to do when I could feel my contractions with my third. I was actually participating um, really, really proactively. And I felt like I was doing the most intense workout of my life. And versus being a passive experience um, with the other two. And so I think that like intervention, I kind of want to break that word up a bit because Joey's totally right. There's interventions in both ways, but it's, is the, is the, um, method or solution encouraging the natural evolution of birth or is it bypassing it? And when it's bypassing it, there's almost always a consequence to that. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that's a controversial statement or not, but that's just kind of, that's been our experience, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, gosh, I there are so many things that I, <laughs> you have just pulled up so many things, both of you. Yeah. Uh, Joey, when you were mentioning uh, fear as this driver that, that it's like, oh, well, of course we're going to have our baby at the hospital. Like, that would be scary not to. It comes to this idea of risk, right? Like, okay, well, that would be risky if we were to give birth outside of the hospital. And what we have to remember is that everything holds a level of risk. You got pregnant, and now you have to birth this baby into the world. Guess what? There's some risk involved. Like, you, it's already happened. It's there. There is a risk to a cesarean section. There is a risk to having an epidural. There is a risk to giving birth in your own home. There are risks. As an adult, we get to choose what risks am I comfortable with? What risks do I feel best with? So it's kind of like that idea of walking outside of my front door. Am I comfortable with that risk? Am I comfortable getting inside of a car and driving down the interstate? Because in the reality, like that's a much bigger risk than giving birth at home, you know, doing this natural mm. process. So it really is this decision of, all right, where where am I comfortable with my risks? And for every person that may be incredibly different. And I completely respect anybody who says, no, giving birth at home, that seems too risky to me, even as long as we have the education, as long as we understand what home birth is, as long as we're able to compare home birth to hospital, really, truly, then if hospital's the answer, then go for it. That's amazing. Thank goodness we have that. But we just need to understand that there's still risk. It's just hidden. You know, the hospital, it's this sanitized idea of, well, I'm in the hospital, so nothing goes wrong in the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? The hospital's run by people. So 
I'm just going to go ahead and tell you things are going to go wrong anywhere that people are running things. Like that's just the way that yeah. it is, right? So that's that's one thing that we need to just understand is, yes, there is a risk to give birth at home. Yes, there's a risk to give birth at the hospital. There's just, there's risk in birth. There's risk in life. Birth is a microcosm of the macrocosm of life. There are things that are going to happen during it. And that's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. I think with risk also, there can be reward. Exactly. And so even to not even get off that, because one thing that I would mention in my experience is because because I've kind of done three different ways of I'm going to call it attaining or having a child because because <laughs> I've, I've done adoption. I've done um, cesarean section. Right. And mm-hmm. then I've done home birth. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you all want to know like what the different variances are, I'd love to talk because <laughs> I've been there for all of them. And uh, what a wild ride it's been. Wouldn't have it any other way because I feel very knowledgeable because of it. Um, however, far and above, home birth was the best. There is something earned mm-hmm. about home birth. Okay. That's what I want to say right now. Is that like when you are at the hospital, anything that any challenge that could come up, again, challenge sounds scary, but that rests on the everyone else's shoulders, not yours. You're just kind of there. Like here we're having our baby and that, that, the effort and the 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 like time it takes to make this happen, the overcoming the challenges rests on someone else's shoulders. When you have a home birth, that rests on your shoulders. Yeah, you call the shots. You're, and like yeah. you have people there. We did at least for our first one, and, and I totally understand how you got to a place where you were interested and or did um, have a baby without people. That totally makes sense to me now. <laughs> But initially it was like, what? I don't know the signs. Like, what if something bad is happening? I don't know the signs. And I, and, and you, you, with your midwife experience, I could also see that being incredibly valuable. But having someone there that basically was just kind of watching mm-hmm. and was encouraging us on things we could do and someone I could ask questions of if I needed to. But ultimately, you know, Elizabeth and I got to have that baby, right? We got to talk to each other and and work on it. And then when it was all said and done, it was like, man, that experience was something that was so bonding for us as a married couple versus when we had a C-section, it was almost like, oh, that that was it. Okay, that's our baby. Wow, like really cool. You know, it was just different. It was totally different. And, and, and it's you cannot understand what I'm saying unless you've gone out and you've done something that's really hard and you earned it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, again, that sounds really judgmental. Like, hey, you earned the baby regardless of how you've had it. But I'm just... There's definitely a different earning experience had with home birth. That's all I wanted to say yeah, with the risk. I, I love that. Topic. No, that's actually where I was going. So this is this is perfect. Oh, the other, that's exactly really what I, I kind of want to encapsulate is think about all that the two of you together learned in your home birth experience. You had to rely on one another. You got to see like what Liz's body was capable of doing, like what you are capable of as a woman. All of those lessons that we learn in birth, they catapult us into motherhood. Like why do we think birth happens the way that it does? It is supposed to be a strengthening experience. You just climbed this mountain in, you know, a number of minutes, hours, maybe, maybe a couple days, but you just did this thing in such a short amount of time. And it was so intense. Like, let's not joke about it. It's real intense, but you did it. The two of you did it together as a couple. If you can do that, 
what can't you do? Like you will be able to handle raising your children. Once again, birth microcosm, life macrocosm. It's it's that recognition there from the very start. Oh, wow. Like I'm super capable. Like I just gave birth to this child. We just gave birth to this child. We're going to rock this. Like we can do it. And every birth that I have had has taught me new lessons. And once again, it kind of changed and shifted me as a mother, changed my relationship with my husband, improving upon it, improving upon it, refining us together. And so, yes, it, it whatever situation you experience in your birth, whether it is at the hospital and it's unmedicated, medicated, whether it's a cesarean, there are lessons to take from that. And it's really about perspective, right? We can take any experience and make it a powerful, impactful experience if we are using the right lens. But there is something really magical about taking this natural experience that we were designed to have. We were designed to feel those contractions, right? Like, we could have been designed not to feel them. We were designed to feel them. We were designed to experience this, to be inside of it, not to have it happen to us, but for it to be us to be involved. We're an active participant. That yes. shifts, molds, shapes us in parenthood. Mm -hmm. I think um, going back to your risk piece too, for me, the way I assessed it, I was trying to have a VBAC. So I was trying to have a vaginal birth after a cesarean. And I knew that my risk in a hospital was going to be much higher because the, the likelihood of my hospital is that they see on your charts that you had a previous cesarean. They're going to give it about 20 minutes and then they're going to be like, all right, let's just, let's just get you, let's just wheel you to the OR. You know, it'll be so quick and easy. You don't have to feel any pain. It's just, I literally, for my middle child where it was a cesarean and they were administering the epidural because they tried a, a version first mm -hmm. turn, which I would never make that decision again. I did not feel like I had informed consent on that. But basically they were like, baby's breech, let's try to turn her. So they administered an epidural because it's an incredibly painful process. Joey remembers that was one of the most stressful 10 minutes of my life, watching them try to monitor the heartbeat while they're trying to physically force this baby to turn inside me. Didn't work. Mm -hmm. Luckily, they gave up and they're like, all right, well, let's just go ahead and, and administer a uh, another round of epidural. Yep. Let's get you in the C-section. And the nurse, she was so sweet and so kind. Our, and my anesthesiologist was so sweet and so kind. But I remember she looked me in the eyes and said, we prefer C-section births. They're just way simpler. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, wonderful because like that's what I'm going into like great I'm glad I'm like your easy student today but looking back on that I'm like yes but that's not the point of what you prefer right. this is my child's coming into the world this is my body that has to recover with the incision of every single muscular group in my abdomen being sliced open like this is me that has to deal with this at the end of it not you mm -hmm. it's easier for you because it's 20 minutes of your day c-sections happen if people aren't familiar like there's a time limit and it wasn't an emergency c-section but they happen quick you remember mm -hmm. how fast that was it's so fast so fast and I think just for anyone so two things one the risk for me because I knew I didn't want to have a repeat c-section actually that was riskier than having a v-back so I knew okay the safest place for me to have birth 
is at home with my midwife and if I need to transport, I'm 12 minutes away. You can ask your midwife questions. How many times, how many transports have you had in the last year? How many were emergent and how many were non-emergent? That's key right there because if they're like, listen, I transported two patients last year and both of them just were really, really fatigued and it was their call. So my other point was that one, I had to assess my risk in the hospital and my risk at home. Everyone just like, oh, what, isn't it risky at home? It's also risky in the hospital if you want a specific outcome. Mm. My other thing is if I was going to speak to someone who knew they were scheduled for a cesarean tomorrow and couldn't get around it and couldn't get out of it, I would tell them to really embrace the moment. You're going to have a beautiful baby born regardless, okay? You can choose to lay there and just space out and maybe that's part of the medication. I don't know. Or you can choose to be fully present and you can have conversations with your doctors and practitioners about how to do that, how your partner can be involved. Um, if you're going into a hospital birth, you can just, it's its more about like mom's mindset. And I think that's what the home birth community wants to communicate to the rest of the world is not like we're just a bunch of people who don't like doctors because that's just not true. We want to feel empowered in our birth and we don't like it when people are not empowered and then that leads to decisions that end up harming them. That happened to me and it's happened to almost every other person I know, right? Whether the harm is small or gigantic, it's just about the empowerment and the belief starting that your body is designed to do this, that you were created um, and that that animals and humans do this every single day. So I think there's still, I would even encourage people if they know they're not going to give birth at home to still go through the similar education. You still need to understand physiological birth, whether you're wherever you're getting that baby out, right? So I think that was one of those key terms when I learned about you know, what does that actually mean? How is our body actually working? What are the different stages of labor? I didn't know any of that with my first two. Like I had no clue, even though I just experienced it with one and then the other one, I didn't go through labor. Mm -hmm. So it was a different, different um, educational process altogether. So. Yes. You got us? No worries. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Just um, just saying that I think it's the thing that we're trying to communicate in the home birth world is that you can be empowered in your birth no matter your setting. Mm. And so I think even if you're like, I'm definitely giving birth in a hospital, you should still go through the educational route to get there to understand physiological birth versus medicalized birth. Those two things are different different completely. So figure that out and then you can walk in to your hospital setting or your birthing center or your living room. We had our baby in our bedroom and you can know what is kind of about to happen and you can have ongoing conversations with it. So let's talk about, and so, and before we got cut off earlier, we were talking about the fact that I had a VBAC at home and the different, um, statistics. So I know it's different per hospital. They'll tell you like, this is our success rate with a VBAC here, meaning this is how many moms 
went in after having a cesarean wanting a vaginal birth and they got a vaginal birth. My particular hospital was like 10% of moms. Now, they don't ever they don't ever extrapolate and they don't say, well, it's because, you know, we kind of like force things along a little bit there you're just left to believe like oh maybe it's not possible maybe your body can't do that but then when I talked to my midwife she told me the stat you said earlier which is 87 percent of moms wanting a v-back were successful in their pursuit so 87 percent versus 10 percent I was like I'm gonna go with it uh, you know nearly 90 percent success rate so isn't that crazy well and also just thinking about you know a lot of the concern people are like oh i don't want to have my my v-back at home because of the risk of uterine rupture which is really a very very small risk by the way but it, it is still there but what's interesting is the way that v-backs are handled at the hospital it's far more likely that the things that they're doing are going to lead to complications like oh oh you had a uterine rupture well let's induce you <laughs> anyway like let's use pitocin these to make these irregularly strong contractions that's fine but allowing your body to do it physiologically no that's mm. that's super dangerous um but liz another thing that you said that i think is really just so powerful and important to discuss is that idea of mindset and i think it is what sets everything apart is recognizing that we can be present, we can be part of this experience. And just like you said, even if that is in the operating room, you still have the opportunity to to absorb this, mm-hmm. to assimilate it, to integrate it, to allow it to be something really beautiful. It is so much about our perspective. And I think that, that is, that's just such a critical piece. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, is there any data, maybe I'm going a little bit AWOL here, but is there any data of like, birth like how, how we choose to have our baby born to the percentage rates for people that, that that experience postpartum is there is there anything like that goes on there that i don't know about that specifically but i do know about satisfaction rates okay. and uh, when it comes to giving birth in the hospital versus giving birth at home there was a study done um using people in um oh my goodness the Netherlands, the mm. Netherlands, they like are a highly home birthy <laughs> group of people. Um, but they had these studies done and the rate of satisfaction was dramatically higher mm. with those who chose to give birth at home. And I just think that that's fascinating because what are we scared of? People are scared of pain. Mm-hmm. They're scared of, oh gosh, that's going to hurt. I don't, I don't want to do that. But actually, even with the discomfort, People are satisfied with that experience. It's okay to feel discomfort and there's satisfaction in that in the end. Mm-hmm. It's just a question I have like neurologically. If you go through that natural process, what is happening in your brain during that that you miss mm-hmm. out on if you're, if you're not? And, and I'm not saying you have to be at home. Maybe you're in your hospital and you're having a, yeah. a natural birth. But I'm just saying if you're working towards it, there, well, what what is this concept of like dopamine and like free dopamine versus earned dopamine mm-hmm. being something that I don't like that's the concept that I'm playing out in my brain. I don't know if it has anything to do with this or not. Effort before reward. Yeah, well, you get a massive hit of endorphins when your baby's born. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and also in terms of the 
in terms of the hormones that we are synthetically experiencing if we're in the hospital. So say pitocin, that's the synthetic version of oxytocin. That mm-hmm. does not reach the blood brain. I mean, it doesn't cross the blood brain barrier. So when we're experiencing uh, pitocin contractions, that just hurts. Like yeah. there's no upside to that. It's like, ouch, man, that stinks. When we're giving birth and this symphony of hormones is occurring, mm-hmm. we've got oxytocin. That is the love hormone, the the love drug. Like you just, it, it it's such an intimate hormone. That is in our brain, it's in our uterus, it's on our cervix, our baby is experiencing it as they're traveling down and being contracted and squeezing. We've got this, it's just a concoction of hormones, beta endorphins, which are our homemade, you know, that's that's our homemade uh, preventative of pain. It's our pain remedy. Mm. We're getting beta endorphins consistently. And the the mixture between those beta endorphins and the mixture of oxytocin allows us to find enjoyment in that experience. And then, oh my word, at the end, when we actually have the baby, so many mothers experience what they call an oxytocin high. I mean, I remember with my first especially, I was high as a kite. Like I was it was it was drugged. I was drugged. Like it was insane this experience of like otherworldly pleasure and love and joy. And wow, that is such a great reward for allowing my body to go through some intensity. Mm-hmm. I yeah. dig that. I mean, I love hearing that too. Cause I, and, I, and I was just assuming. So I'm glad you were able to bring some data to the to the. But just all the things that are going on in your in, in in your in your brain that that for that process to be altered, you're missing out on in some way. Yeah. And um, you know, when you're at home or you're in the hospital, I think you likely can achieve a natural birth. You can, right, in either mm-hmm. setting. But I think that there is definitely that separation of being at home. Um, that uh, that can kind of help keep things on the right path. Mm-hmm. The separation. It's not an uphill. Oh, keep sorry. Going. It, I was just going to say it's not an uphill battle so much as when you're in the hospital. We got to fight against that nurse Becky who keeps saying, "Well, don't you want an epidural, hun? Yeah. Like, aren't you just tired of the pain? You got to fight through the cascade of interventions that's constantly being shoved in your face. Mm-hmm. You've got to deal with all of the policy. So we need, if we're going to be in the hospital, good on you. But then be extra prepared. Yes, we need advocacy. We need our husband to walk in and be like, hey, yeah, we don't want that. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have somebody there who's going to be the muscle. <laughs> we need the brawn yeah. while we're dealing with this process. So it is totally doable, but there is an element of kind of swimming upstream. Whereas when we're in the home birthing setting, it's like, oh no, it will, it, this was designed for, for this experience. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. And so we haven't even, we haven't even dived dove in we haven't even gotten to the most important aspect of home birth in our opinion which was the fact that after your baby is born you're literally home okay so in comparison (laughs) everyone no everyone knows anyone who's had a hospital birth knows that those dang nurses and doctors hi i'm just your nighttime i'm just switching shifts and i'm just your nighttime doctor and i'm just coming in check on you oh you're trying to sleep oh, okay the lights are on and there's things beeping and you're pro- you're catheterized if you just had a c-section so like you just you're, you're just like in bed or um 
there's just someone interrupting your flow every it felt like every 20 minutes I'm sure it's more like every hour your baby sleeps on this little like plastic thing because they don't want you to hold the baby because baby might fall off and roll Joey had food poisoning okay this was the situation no this was the situation he went down and he got food from the cafeteria because who knows why he was tired and delusional he comes in with a chicken wrap and a burger and he says hey which one do you want and i was like i'll take the chicken wrap thank god i chose the chicken wrap because he ate the burger and was up all night in the bathroom with food poisoning and i couldn't have even stood up i would have just soiled the bed i don't know what would have happened it would have been like a 911 emergency in the hospital okay and then <laughs> but i'm already there and i'm already there so like yes that's a that's an extra component of it that you know you have your own food his mother his mother dropped off the most nourishing beautiful like white chicken chowder that i ate and i mm. scarfed after our birth dude she like baked bread she i heard her knocking on the door and i was 10 centimeters and i was like who's this lady <laughs> but i she really really she didn't knock i i heard someone say there's someone at the door because you know in home birth everyone's whispering all the time but uh, you can hear them because you're like i'm zoned in mm-hmm. um no it's great i was very thankful for that and so it's just like there's an element where my midwife looked at me and said baby looks super healthy she did the whole what's it called the apgar test where they're monitoring like baby's health on a scale of one to ten um there's no awful foot pricking by the nurse who just doesn't care that your baby's screaming i remember with ruthie this nurse just like like wouldn't stop poking ruthie to get the blood sample and she poked her like four times and like was just like squeezing her heel and i was like can you come back another time versus my midwife was like oh let's put a little heating pad let's just warm this right up oh look and like ray didn't even cry Okay, these are the comparisons. I'm trying to give a really clear juxtaposition because I believe my hospital experiences were very typical, very typical. Not, I had great hospitals, we have a great network of health, like it was fine. But the comparison between those and the home experience where you're in your own bed and your midwife looks at you and said, baby looks amazing and perfectly healthy and your placenta looks great. And, you know, if I had any fears or doubts whatsoever, I would sleep on the couch like I would stay with you. But I don't feel that way. And, you know, here you have my number. Obviously, I'll come back tomorrow. I'll see you after 12 hours of sleep. Good night. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just a different vibe. So it's like everyone wants to talk about the birth. Well, the birth is great, but being home for after the birth is the real reward. And like the mom's the MVP here, right? But like us guys, <laughs> you know, we, we like to complain about things which are valid in the sense that any inconvenience can be complained about. But, you know, the inconveniences of hospital life for dad, like they really don't give you a place to sleep. I mean, they act like they do. <laughs> But they don't at all. It's a chair that folds. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's basically like a metal table that they can clean really easily between, yeah. you know, people. Anyways, it, it is just, it, it really is miserable. And so when you wake up after having a home birth and you're in your house and you can walk downstairs and like make food in your kitchen mm-hmm. and then come back upstairs and lay in your bed, it's the best. You don't have to like pack this like. You don't have to go into your go bag and be like, oh man, I forgot my, it's all there. You're at your house. It's, it's almost worth any, uh, like, like I know the fear is all, all that's real, but like, it's almost worth it just to be at home afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. And I don't want to minimize. Like, I think that a lot of times, obviously the mother just did the most 
insane thing, right? Like she just had another human 100%. come out of her. But wow, she's got a lot of hormones backing her up, right? And dads are there supporting. They're staying up all night a lot of times. They're providing counter pressure, doing all of these things. And they also don't have the same hormones going through them. So it is exhausting to both people. It's very exhausting. So yeah, when you're in the hospital and you're, hey, like, welcome to motherhood. There's going to be something dinging every single, like, 15-minute mm. interval for you to take your blood pressure. But you'll be fine. Like, don't worry. You don't need sleep. <laughs> like, this is the most critical time for both parents to be getting sleep, to really deeply rest as much as possible so that in the coming days and weeks, we are able to deal with the changes in our schedule and deal with the nighttime feedings and the cluster feeding and all of mm-hmm. all of those different changes. If you're starting that out, well, you're going to start it out tired because you just gave birth. But then if we're dealing with sleep deprivation that wasn't even baby related, <laughs> you know, those first like eight hours after birth, babies are usually really sleepy. And so that is our prime real estate. Like we need to get the sleep during that time. Mm-hmm. If somebody's coming in and waking you up again and again and again, and then you got to do it all over again. Oh my goodness, we're starting at such a place of depletion. What is that doing to our yeah. numbers of mothers who are struggling days, weeks, months down the road? Mm-hmm. Not to mention, like, you're you're not supposed to be processing a million different people coming into your space asking you questions and they don't tell you like okay we're gonna take your baby and we're gonna do this or we're gonna take a blood sample or we're gonna give them a hepatitis b shot like they don't actually tell you any of that it just happens so unless you've come in and you've decided what you want done and what you don't want done they're just gonna do it all And you should not have to be in a headspace of just great alertness to combat like, hey, I don't need this or I'm opting out of that in those eight in that eight hour window post birth. Mm -hmm. That's just not an appropriate time to have those conversations. Informed consent does not happen and it cannot happen in those eight hours. Mm -hmm. So it's just a bad time. Um, and so that's the other piece too, is like, as the mom, like, oh, I can't even process what my body just did. And now I have to think through all the different things that my baby's having to go through, or they want to whisk away and do a circumcision. But like, have I even looked into circumcision? Like, you know, these are just all things Mm -hmm. that moms and parents can look into that. I just don't know that they know that they can look into you know what I'm saying so anyways I love that and I love that like we have the experience of like multiple types of birth because we can just kind of like echo everything that Caitlin's saying but for the expecting mothers the expecting fathers the people who are considering this for even just maybe their grandchildren they want to help educate their the next generation like where's the best place to start to learn and dive into this world of natural physiological birth I know that this feels like a lot, or it can. It can feel like a whole lot to be like, okay, well, let's just jump ship from the medical system and give birth at home. <laughs> like, that's That can seem overwhelming and scary, and it may just be so overwhelming that people are like, I can't go there. So for me, because this is something that I'm so passionate about, because this is something that I believe if more mothers knew, you know, if they knew the realities, 
if more families knew, mothers and fathers together, if they knew these realities, then they would probably be choosing home birth more often. I have wanted to make this as accessible as possible. I've created the Happy Home Birth podcast so that families can listen to a a vast variety, you know, a myriad of birth stories, all kinds of different home birth experiences. Sometimes there's a hospital transport, you know, all of the different ways that this can unfold so that it feels attainable. That's huge. Just number one, feeling like this is attainable. Number two, then we've got to figure out this framework because you can go on the internet and type in like, resources for home birth and you'll get a whole bunch of different things to pick and choose from but actually something that is full-bodied that is preparing you for this experience in a way that you know okay i'm i'm here at point a by the time that i get to point z i'm going to know what i'm doing and i'm going to feel comfortable that's really important to me because there's so much going on during pregnancy right like It is just an overwhelming ride. So to feel like I've got to scramble, I've got to read a thousand different books, I've got to do all of these things, I'm going to go to all of these Instagram accounts and I'm going to figure it out myself, or I'm just going to completely rely on my midwife. That's another thing that happens that it's like, it just just doesn't work that way. Um, So I have created resources for that. So whether you are looking for home birth stories, whether you're looking for very depthy childbirth education specifically for the home birth family i want to support you in that that's amazing and i can say from my experience going through it before you even knew me um it was seriously so foundational to having a what i call successful home birth meaning we didn't have to transport i felt like i had the knowledge especially because joey was kind of like I don't have space in my head to think about this. So um, me being extra prepared and my midwife knew that she was like, Joey's really stressed out. You know, she actually knew Joey from the time he was nine years old. She was a family friend. So it was like beautiful, beautiful experience. Um, It was just really, really helpful for me as mom to feel like, okay, I've heard one, I've heard these stories before. This is how this plays out. And two, this, these are the stages I'm walking through. Everything I'm doing is natural and normal and and I will be told the moment it crosses from that, yeah, um, if it ever does. So, yeah, I just think that's so amazing and so beautiful. So, thank you for creating that incredible work. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah, th- let's let's just make birth sacred again. Like, let's just mm. bring it back <laughs> to where it was meant to be. Um, but thank you guys so much for the platform that you have created. I know you are reaching so many people and I'm just so highly impressed. And it was really just an honor to be able to speak to you. Yeah, it was super fun. We love this. We love we'll this to do topic. it again. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Okay, so anything else? Um, I don't think so. No other questions. Uh, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you. And um, I I now know, as of today, uh, <laughs> that you had you know an impact in our, our family's life even before, uh, before we were kind of on this journey ourselves. Yeah. So thank you. It's an honor. And with that, Caitlin has left the virtual chat. Mm -hmm. Home birth. Home birth. I said, I jokingly, not jokingly, I said today, I was like, we're recording your favorite topic. And you immediately said menstrual cycles because you thought I was joking. It sounded a little bit facetious. And uh, anyways, I, 
I do enjoy talking about this primarily because I feel like so many of these topics are reserved as if like, oh, this is a ladies thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I get that, right? Like I said before, you know, women are the MVP with, with child birthing. What's the phrase I said to you over and over again when I was like near the end of the thing? Do you remember? No. You don't remember what I just kept telling you? No. I kept saying, just tell me I can do it. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. I was like, can I do it? And you're like, yes. I was like, just keep telling me that I can. And I could not have birthed our child without you. Well, and it's physically, you don't need me. No, I did. I was leaning on you. You okay. were holding a thing. Anyways. It's a very physical event. I'll, the The actual process of home birth is crazy. And I would love to talk to, you know, I'd love to hear hmm. as like a neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. Like postpartum is so real and so impactful. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that this is something that solves that, but I'd like to know what the difference is. Mm-hmm. Like, is there a difference in how someone feels once they have earned their like birth from like a natural point of view versus you know, earned it from a, you know, painless kind of point of view. Yeah. When you say earned, I think what you're trying to say is... One earning is more challenging than the other. Well, one... more painful maybe. Yes. And what Caitlin was explaining is that when you don't intervene medically, your body goes through all of those hormonal processes on their own. Mm -hmm. That's the thing you're earning. That's the benefit you're getting. And I'd just like to know how that affects a person. Yeah. It has to affect them like a lot, right? I'm sure. Anyways, that's super interesting to me. Love. I think it affects baby. I mean, I think it affects baby, for sure. I mean, there. If you recall, um, you know, there are just certain benefits to having a baby be born without intervention that we didn't get to experience with mm-hmm. our C-section baby. So, anyways, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend the Happy Home Birth podcast. It is exactly that. It is a bunch of. Um, birth stories which just gives you context for all the different avenues that Mm -hmm. birth can go down and that's really really helpful and um there's also a bunch of books that i read i just the you have nine months for a reason you have nine months to dig in we didn't dig in at nine months we switched at 30 34 weeks or whatever but um i think that the point of this episode and the reason why we brought Caitlin on the show was to paint the other side because so often you hear of just hospital birth Mm -hmm. and you don't even know or maybe it's becoming more popular because a lot of people felt pressured into it during COVID time or whatever. Um, That's kind of the boat we were in, but I didn't feel pressured per se as much as I was like, I won't be able to have a doula in the room. I no longer want to experience that. So yeah, I think the end of the to tie a bow on it is like we want to encourage and empower any family walking into adding a new baby um, to their family tree and and being able to look at that process and say, I can do this and I know how. Mm. Right on. You know. Speaking of our home birth, we drank, a, we, we, we were brewing some serious coffee. Oh my gosh. I think our midwife had like four pots on her I, It just hit me right now. I was thinking about it. She rolled into the house and the very first question she asked us is, What's your coffee situation like here? <laughs> we said, we got you and covered. I here and I was like, listen. <laughs> this just, was before Hazel Mary Goods. This though. is before that. Anyways, coffee. Mm-hmm. If you like coffee like us, 
good news. We have some of those things for you. We have a store. We have a shop. We opened up our own, what would you call it? A goods store. There you go. That's why it's called Hazelmeyer Goods. So get some goods. Get get, get on to shoptheh.com and you can find everything from coffee and tea to soap to sponges to sourdough and kitchen tools and so much more to come. It's crazy. This is a place where we're just building stuff out so that we Literally can building it out. Bring things to you that are a little bit more challenging to find, you know, on their own. Yeah. So with that, we also have education stuff on homegrowneducation.org. You can find children's nutrition curriculum, teaching kids how to nourish themselves both now and in the future. We've got stuff for adults on there. We've got meal guides and plans, recipe lists, shopping lists. We've got basics or the raw dairy guide and sourdough guide. Mm -hmm. Those are free. Free. We basically, we basically have you covered mm-hmm. with nutrition. And, and more want, to come. More to come. More to come. And if you like hearing us talk and you want to hear us talk more and or see us more or watch us run or those sorts of things, we're on Instagram. You can find us at homegrown underscore education. Elizabeth is at Liz Hazelmeyer and you can find me at Joey Hazelmeyer. And until next time, that's a wrap.